I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 25 of Red Sin. Chapter 25. Julia. Van wrapped his arm around me as we both stared at the tree. He'd taken strands of garland of silver and gold, silver beads and white gold and silver ornaments from his office. I imagined one of his employees showing up and wondering who vandalized the tree. My guess would be that the CEO would be their last suspect. He had left the lights. Without electricity, they wouldn't do us much good. It's the best tree I've ever seen, I said, leaning against his side. His head tilted the same direction as the slightly leaning tree. It's definitely interesting. I pushed up on my tiptoes and kissed his cheek. It's hard to believe we were here only a week ago. Taking my hands, Van's gaze washed over me. Finding you was the best thing I've done in my whole life. A smile lifted my cheeks. That's a long time. His head shook. It's enough time to make a lot of mistakes. This, between us, has been a whirlwind, but it's not a mistake. I agree, a mistake wouldn't feel this good. Our dinner was behind us, and our stomachs filled as we sat cross-legged together on the pile of rugs before the fireplace. It was the exact same place we'd had those nectarines and mugs of coffee a week earlier. The flames flickered and snapped as the damp wood hissed and spit. The silence settled around us, cocooning us in our cabin in the snow globe, when finally Van spoke. My niece is 10 years old. Her name is Brooklyn. I turned, watching Van's profile. What he was saying was a gift to me, even more so than our festive decorations. His protruding brow furrowed, and his jaw clenched as he stared at the flames. I started to ask if she was his sister's child, since Margaret had asked if I was Van's sister. But before I spoke, he went on. She's my brother's daughter. He and I haven't spoken for over a decade. I laid my hand on his jean-clad thigh, silently encouraging Van to continue. He let out a long breath. He and his wife were having some financial problems. I'd already walked away from my family and had achieved what many would consider success. His nostrils flared. I fucked up. If I were him, I wouldn't talk to me either. What happened? I wanted more. Nothing was ever enough. I wanted every asshole who ever stood in my way or ever doubted me to suffer. As his confessions wafted through the air, I chanced another question. Did you want your family to suffer? He nodded. Your brother? It could be why he wasn't welcome to see Brooklyn in person. Yes. I waited. I succeeded. Van stood and went to the kitchen area, filling two mugs with coffee. When he came back and handed me one, he feigned a grin. 
Maybe I should have brought something stronger. Bringing the rim of the mug to my lips, the strong aroma of coffee overtook the lingering pine scent. I think this is plenty strong. I patted the spot where he'd been sitting. You don't need to tell me more if you don't want to. I promise that none of this will be in your memoir. His green orbs snapped to mine. I'm telling you this because you agreed to marry me, Julia. It has nothing to do with the memoir. Like I've said, I want the memoir for one reason. He shrugged. Maybe two. First, I am sick and tired of the rumors and untruths that resurface on and off about how I made my money. And the second? It goes back to what I said. Wanting every asshole who stood in my way or doubted me to see in print that despite them, I have succeeded. I smiled at his claim of success in the past tense. I'd bring it to his attention, but I didn't want him to change his mind. Maybe it wasn't despite those people, but because of? Van placed his mug on the hearth and then leaned back on his outstretched arms. No. No? No, those people don't deserve an ounce of credit. I'm getting the theme of your memoir. Were there any people along the way who deserve credit? He hesitated. Yes, a handful. Are you willing to acknowledge them in print? Some of them, yes. I didn't start out knowing everything. I still don't. My need to achieve narrowed my focus. I've been fortunate enough to run into people who took the time to teach me. He scoffed, after kicking my ass. What? I asked with a giggle. You're admitting to having your ass kicked? Those people would never have gotten my attention without first proving that they knew more than I did. There was one in particular. Van shook his head. I never imagined talking about this. I figured, give the information, read the draft, dictate changes. If it makes it easier, as you know, I've never interviewed anyone for information on a memoir. His hand landed on mine. I'm getting off on all these firsts. The pink of my cheeks from our earlier hike and the firelight increased. I can help with that. He squeezed my hand. Oh, you already did. Who was the one in particular, I asked. The one who comes to mind is Lennox Dimitri. I shook my head. I don't recognize the name. Those people involved in finance who read the memoir will. Has he been in high finance, the term Van had used, for a long time? Yes, and he's only a few years older than me. Van inhaled. I think it's why I respect him so much. Despite what you think of my age, Lennox isn't old. He had an advantage I didn't. He had the advantage of a father who led the way. Had? Is his father deceased? I meant had as in Lennox had a roadmap that I didn't have. Was your father, I thought about the name difference, interested in high finance? My parents are irrelevant. They fucked and gave birth to a son. That was their contribution. They don't need to be mentioned. I'd prefer they weren't. One of my first muses taught me that life didn't have to be stagnant. 
wipe the dust of the past off your shoes and never look back. I gathered my strength and forged ahead. Why is your last name different? Van's lips formed a straight line as he turned toward me. Was that in the information I gave you to use? No, it was in an online biography I read the other day. One of my first significant acquisitions was a well-known regional chain of department stores. There are many reasons why it was floundering, not limited to the mismanagement from the top. It had been around for generations and was existing on its name alone. This was over 15 years ago. People considered me too young to accomplish what I had. I'd made money, but not enough, I interjected. Van nodded. I realized I needed to do more than acquire. With changes in tax law, I understood that liquidation would do more for me than make a business profitable. I set my sight on that chain. Was there a reason? Both of my parents had been employed by the chain for their entire lives. My mother started as a cashier and worked her way up to buyer. She would fly to New York and Europe for fashion shows and help decide what fashions the stores would sell. My father began in accounting at a regional store and moved up to corporate. You targeted an entire chain of stores to hurt your parents? My stomach twisted. I did, Julia. I won't lie to you and pretend I'm a good man. I'm telling you the truth. I purposely worked to acquire the entire chain and purchase the name that was recognized throughout multiple states. Buying the name was crucial because if I hadn't, theoretically, senior members of the founding family could restart a new chain with the old name. The average shopper wouldn't recognize that it was different. What happened? I succeeded. In the process, I liquidated everything and walked away with a substantial profit. During the process, I was blamed for things that were not my doing. I didn't care, their mistakes added to my reputation. Like what, I asked, wondering what would be horrible enough for family members to turn their backs on one another. I told you that my people watch for vulnerability. It was a lesson I learned well with this first major acquisition. The chain was having financial problems, spending multiple years in arrears, drowning in debt. One of their last ditch efforts was to access the employees' retirement pensions. I gasped, no. Van nodded. The original owners were able to deplete the accounts through a loophole. Of course, their plan was to make money and repay the funds before the employees learned the truth. It didn't happen that way. The employees learned that their retirement funds were gone, when they also learned their jobs were terminated. Could you have helped them? Van shrugged. I didn't want to, Julia. I wanted them to suffer. Why? My parents know why. Do you regret it? I asked. No. That deal propelled me higher than I thought was possible. Compared to where I am now, it was minimal. However, without that acquisition, I wouldn't be Donovan Sherman. And why is your name different? 
because in the early negotiations of that particular deal, I petitioned for a name change. I tried to think of department stores that had gone away during my lifetime. There were more than I could recall. Why Sherman? Because once that deal was complete, Sherman Brothers department stores ceased to exist. And Donovan Sherman was born, I said, with an odd, eerie feeling. Yes. Why? Because even though I don't talk to my family, my name is a reminder of what I did to them. He sighed. It also reminds me of what I've done and what I'm capable of doing. It wasn't only them, I said, thinking of the other employees. Van shrugged. Did you just tell that story to the writer of your memoir? It's a matter of public record that Donovan Sherman first came on the scene roughly 15 years ago. It's also public record that I changed my name from Thomas to Sherman. He looked from the fire to me. You found that online? I found your parents' names. I didn't search to find why theirs were different than yours. I guess maybe I wanted to learn it from you. Who I was before that name change wouldn't be Donovan Sherman's story. There were so many questions I had. And yet, as I stared at Van in the firelight, I mostly wanted to comfort him. I leaned closer and offered a soft kiss on his prickly cheek. A quick glance at my watch told me that the clock had struck midnight. Merry Christmas, Van. What do you want, Julia? If I could give you anything, what would that be? I looked around the one-room cabin, feeling the warmth of the fire, inhaling the aroma of pine and seeing the decorated tree. My attention went back to the man beside me. I can't think of anything I need. Need and want are two different things. He ran his finger down my cheek, stopping at the edge of the camisole, pushing it downward between my breasts. His smile grew as he looked back up at me. A week and a day ago, if I'd been asked what I needed, I would have said nothing. My needs have been met since I completed that deal. I've spent the years since concentrating on what I want. More land, more money, and more power. I didn't need a thing. That changed. It changed in this cabin. I sucked in a breath as his deep tenor reverberated through me. I want you, he said. I want you over and over. But it's more than that. You changed everything. Now I need. What do you need? I need to know you're happy, safe, and protected. I need to have you at my side. I need to fall asleep beside you and wake in the same place. Will you let me do that for you? The scene blurred with tears I didn't expect. That sounds like a proposal. I already said I'd marry you. I didn't propose before. You deserve that. I wrapped my arms around his neck and lay myself against his wide chest as his arms came around me. With my forehead on Van's shoulder, I nodded. 
Just the two of us alone before the fire felt right, much righter than in front of a room full of people. I lifted my head and looked into his gaze. I didn't know I needed that, to hear you ask, but I did. Van gently lay me back on the rugs and followed me until he was over me, our noses touching. Will you, Julia McGrath, be my wife? My eyes opened wide as the picture of him with a woman in wedding attire came to mind. You said you've never proposed before? Only to you. I think, unofficially, this is the third time. What does that mean about the picture he had in his office? I didn't want to ask, not now. My answer is yes. I promise it won't change. The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.